Doing a daily Bible devotional has been the best thing that I've done for myself. My time in the Old Testament only proves to me again and again and again that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things. When I'm reading the New Testament, I read it within the context of when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the New Testament is just an expansion of one of those two thoughts. Those are the two lenses through which I think with my mouth open as I read through the Old and New Testaments. Join me, won't you, for another adventure in Coffee, the Bible, and Page. Greetings. Salutations. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I'm Page, your caffeine-imbued host. Here's my coffee. And they all said in chorus, in unison, in the beginning, coffee. Lo, it was very good. All right, we're going to continue our jaunt with uh, David. David has uh, finally convinced Jonathan that Saul wants to kill him. And David is in the first few days of being on the run from the king. And uh, I believe there's a, some very important lessons, at least there is for me, and a reminder to me about how God's sovereignty works. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But let's look at chapter 21, read through it, make a few comments, and then I'll make some personal application at the back side of this thing. Let's see what we got. Chapter 21. David went to Nob, to Himelech the priest. Now, Himelech, he occupies the position of high priest that was once held by his great-grandfather Eli. This is an important little detail. We'll see that why in the next chapter. Now, it looks like at Nob is where the tabernacle was residing at the moment. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? Hmm. Why would he be afraid of David? Could it be because of a couple different reasons? Perhaps David was a warrior and... Um, Maybe David's reputation preceded him. Um, we all know that Saul had no love for the priests. He had no love for Samuel. He and Samuel were estranged. So maybe he thinks that David is an emissary of Saul and uh, is up to no good. There could be that. Uh, or it could be that maybe he has heard that David is out of favor with the king. And this could mean problem for Ahimelech as well. So, I don't know. He trembled. He was afraid when David showed up. David answered Ahimelech the priest, The king sent me on a mission and said to me, No one is to know anything about the mission I'm sending you on. Now, this makes me think that Ahimelech wasn't in the know about what was going on between David and Saul. He still looks at David as one of Saul's emissaries, which means then that he is afraid of Saul and David as a representative of Saul. No one is to know anything about the mission I'm sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now, then what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. Uh, David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? 
So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now, one of the things that happens in the tabernacle, in the holy place, is that they place out bread on the Sabbath. And then on the following Sabbath, they take the old bread off and the priests share that among themselves. And then they put the new bread out. Well, that's the bread that was given to David. Now, David wasn't a priest. Why would the priest be free to give out consecrated bread to someone who isn't a priest? Well, we find out later in Scripture that sometimes the need of the moment is much more important than ceremonial needs. So there, the, David wasn't breaking any law. He wasn't breaking any rules uh, by taking these breads. It's totally at the discretion of the priest. If there was a need and the bread can meet the need of that, it could meet that need, then the priest was within his authority and right to meet that need with that bread. That's what he did with David. He gave David the bread. Now, one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. I don't know what that means detained before the Lord. He was there maybe doing a sacrifice, waiting to be, maybe he was unclean. He was waiting to go through ritual cleansing to get ready for something. I don't know. But anyway, one of Saul's servants was there. He was Doeg, the Edomite. It's called Saul's chief shepherd. Now the presence of Doeg at these transactions arouses apprehensions in the reader as it did in David. Now David is a little bit suspicious of Doeg, and we find out in chapter 22 why. But these apprehensions prove well-founded as the narrative progresses. So Doeg is around while the priest and David are speaking to each other. Ah, this is important. David asks Ahimelech, Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. David is lying through his teeth. We'll talk about that in a second, too. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. So that day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. Does that sound familiar, Gath? That's where Goliath is from. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. You see, even outside of Israel, David's royal destiny seems to be recognized. His reputation certainly was. He was Israel's chief warrior. And now he's at a Philistine encampment. In fact, the encampment of the man that he killed in that battle when he fought Goliath. So David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. It's like David, I don't know why David went there, except that he was making the best decisions he could at the time. He needed to get away from Saul before Saul killed him. Um, he saw Saul's servant, at Nob, where he was talking with the priest. And he kicks on out of there. And it, he goes to a Philistine encampment, a Philistine village. 
I don't know if he went there bringing Goliath's sword, perhaps to maybe he thought, if I present this sword back to his family, I can I can have a safe place to figure things out. I don't know. But he shows up there and he's quickly identified as a champion of Israel. And then he was afraid. And very well he should be. His only solution that he could come up with at the point was to pretend to be insane. In fact, that's what it says here. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. While he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, look at this man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? And that's where the narrative ends for this chapter. So here's the deal. David is on the run from Saul. It's his, he, he just, this is the beginning stages of it. He runs to Nob, where the tabernacle is, asks for food. While he's there, a member of Saul's team, if you will, his chief shepherd, Doeg was there, who obviously was listening to this, and David asked for and received bread from the priest asked for a sword, and apparently Goliath's sword was stored at the tabernacle uh, after after David had fought Goliath. And he got Goliath's sword. Maybe that gave him the idea, I'll go to Goliath's family, his town, to bring the sword back. Maybe that was his thought. But he gets there and he realizes, I've got no place here. This is a bad place to be, and they're going to kill me. And so he just, he becomes a madman in order to escape being killed by the people in the village, in the town of Gath. But that brings me to my thought of the day, if you will. Remember, whenever I do these devotions, I always ask one or two questions. What do I learn about, what do I learn about God? And is there anything to learn about me or to apply to me? And here's what I get from this. Years ago, I, I had a pastor that I dearly loved. His name was Ed Leon. Uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. And he used to tell me, when you don't know what to do, do something. Now, my understanding of God's sovereignty is this. God is in complete control of every aspect of my life, all the circumstances of my life. In fact, one of his names, El Roy, the God who sees. It's the God who sees Paige where Paige is, the God who sees all of Paige's circumstances. One of my names for him, and he's the God of all my circumstances. But that doesn't mean I know what God's doing. That doesn't mean I know what to do. That doesn't mean I know how to respond or react to what's going on around me. I just know that the most dangerous thing is to be frozen into inactivity by fear. That's why this preacher would tell me when you don't know what to do, do something. He said, God is sovereign, Paige. He'll, he'll open doors. He'll close doors. But he said, it's hard to steer a car that's parked. Get moving. Do something. Well, that's what David's doing here. He's doing something. What do you, David, what do you do? The life that you envisioned the life that you knew was yours has just exploded 
and it's no longer. He he was anointed king of Israel by Israel's last judge and one of its greatest prophets, Samuel. And then he kills the giant, Goliath. He finds favor with the king because he plays a harp. And as the king is starting to lose his mind, the harp soothes his mind. So now he has a place in the king's court. And then when he get, comes of age, he joins the army, becomes an incredibly successful general. And then he marries the king's daughter. He's best friend with the king's son. Could life get any better for this guy called David? And then it's ripped out from under him. The king, whom, whose daughter he married, wants to kill him. His best friend can no longer be around him. He has to leave the luxury of living, of palace living, and he has to flee into the wilderness. So here he is in his 20s, and his life has exploded. Everything he was certain about, everything he knew, to be true was apparently not true. Has that ever happened to you? Have, have you ever been so certain of something God was going to do in your life only to watch it evaporate? Have you been so certain of something that God wants you to do only to watch that thing that you were doing just explode into smithereens? and vanish I know I have when I went through my bankruptcy when I lost my job that was the beginning of it when I lost my job I thought I knew for sure what it was God wanted me to do and I started a video production company and um, it turned out to be the worst decision I've ever made in so many ways I, within six months I was bankrupt I lost every dollar I had in my life savings and I had no choice but to enter into bankruptcy I thought I knew what God wanted I thought I was doing what God wanted but everything just fell apart and out of all that experience of course I, I learned a great deal from God but out of that experience came a new direction for my life to teach private music lessons. You can actually make a living doing private music lessons. I didn't think you could, but it ended up being exactly that. My wife and I are now both private music teachers and we love it and we're making a good living. But all that came out of the ashes that were the result of my making decisions that I thought were right. And here's the deal. God is sovereign. He's in charge of all circumstances. And if you really believe that, then you won't allow yourself to be frozen into inactivity by through fear. When you don't know what to do, do something. God will steer you this way or that way. He's a God who sees. He's a God who knows. I can only imagine the fear and the terror that David was feeling at this point in his life. Everything he thought he knew was gone. Every certainty that he thought he understood was gone. 
every thought he had about how his life was going to be was gone. So he did what I just told you my pastor friend told me to do. He did something. And he he gets Goliath's sword and he heads to Goliath's hometown. He gets there, of course, and he realizes this is not going to work out well for him. And then so he has to be a crazy man in order to escape the wrath of the king of that of that area. So when you don't know what to do, do something. That's what David's doing. He doesn't know what life holds for him. Everything he thought was certain isn't. And by the way, where's Samuel in all this? We don't see Samuel anywhere in this story, do we? Why isn't Samuel coming alongside David? We don't know that he didn't. But I think the writer would have said something if he did. So even the man who anointed him to be king of Israel is out of the picture. For for all intents and purposes, David's alone. He can't be with his wife, Michael, the king's daughter. Can't be with his best friend, Jonathan. He has to go into the heart of the enemy that he had been fighting (laughs) for several years to get away from Saul. Hmm. Everything he knew to be certain was uncertain. That's where David finds himself. And what happens when that happens to you? I can only reiterate what my pastor friend told me. When you don't know what to do, do something. And trust that God will guide you this way or that. When I lost my job, I did something. I created a video production company. Now, I was so certain it was going to be the, it was going to be the salvation of my family and it wasn't. It actually proved to be almost the complete destruction, financial destruction of my family. But I did something. And God steered the Garwood ship to take me to a place where I would finally realize the prophetic word that God spoke into my heart on the day I got saved. And he said, I have a ministry for you. And that's where I'm at right now. So you're seeing David doing something. I don't think he knows what he's supposed to do. All he knows is he's got to get away from Saul before Saul kills him. So there you have it. Today's lesson in a nutshell. We're going to continue a story tomorrow. It's going to be kind of exciting, actually. So this is Paige. Here's my coffee. Folks, I'm out of here. Have a grand and glorious day. Bye-bye. So, what did you think about today's Bible devotional? Email me and let me know your thoughts at ffog at me.com.